Hello and welcome everyone. A very warm good evening on a Saturday evening. I hope you've got your tea and coffee mugs ready because we are going to have a very interesting conversation today on the D show. Let me first tell you that all these opinions are of course going to be personal opinions and I invite authentic leaders on my show to talk about the challenges that they face and what contributes to their success. Everyone talks about successes, but some difficult conversations that we have in our life are all the failures and challenges that we face. Now, what have these successful leaders done to overcome that? And I think there's a lot of hidden learning right there. I'm pretty confident that each one of you will have some key takeaways, which will be relatable and applicable to your lives. So during the course of the show, don't forget to tune in, subscribe, as well as ask away your queries. If you don't have questions, you can give me your feedback. And I'll be very happy to take these live conversations as part of my show. Today on the show, I have invited someone who is a very successful doctor, an MBBS, MD, and also an entrepreneur, now successfully running his own startup in an industry which has been clouded with a lot of judgment. Well, today I'm hoping that he will be uncovering a lot of myths, a lot of fallacies, and a lot of do's and don'ts from the world of clinical trials. With the pandemic, we have been surrounded with a lot of questions. What should have been done and what shouldn't have been? And we all have had our near and dear ones suffer because of COVID. Now, this is one doctor who decided to be one amongst the top 20, 25 agencies, or rather not an agency, I would say companies in our country who are sanctioned to run clinical tri trials. And I think it would be best to hear from him about his perspectives and about his knowledge so that we can also get more aware and build our knowledge about what does it take to run a clinical research organization. Without any further ado, I'd like to invite here very proudly, none other than Dr. Neil Lahoti. Hi, Neil, welcome to the D Show. Hello. Hello, Dr. D. Uh, pleasure, thank you for inviting me here. And uh, it's a appreciated uh, invite. I'm looking forward yeah. to an interesting conversation. Thank you so much for actually uh, being on the show because I tried many entrepreneurs who were leading organizations which are into clinical <clears throat> trials. But the good part is that somebody as dynamic as you, as young as you, you were open to talking about these difficult conversations. So a salute to your spirit and thank you for being on the show. It means a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, we already have our uh, viewers and audiences uh, tuning in. Apurva is saying good evening and welcome, Dr. Neil and our Dr. D. Um, so, Dr. Neil, I'm going to start with a question that what was your first challenge? It would have been so easy for you to open a clinic or a hospital. And I see doctors, they have done very successfully well during the pandemic because we all needed doctors. You could have been a consultant with the names of the world uh, leading hospitals, but you chose not to go down that path. I mean, how did it start? 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, first of all, uh, good evening to all of the uh, audience, all the viewers who are seeing this, and uh, thank you for taking your time. Uh, yeah, so it's a very interesting question, actually. Uh, clinical trials and clinical research is not something which a doctor would normally, you know, uh, choose as a career path. Normally, as you said, the doctors would like to have a hospital set up or be associated with other big hospitals and, uh, you know, treat patients. So where I this actually happened during my internship. So I was involved in a clinical trial during the internship. Uh, and at that moment, I just, uh, you know, I felt that a doctor definitely is treating the patients, but all the patient pool and the people who are impacted by a doctor are from the local, I mean, local areas, for example, a doctor in Pune will get most of his patients from Pune itself. But I was involved in a global trial then. So in the trial, I, I understood that the impact of a global clinical trial has and that particular drug can impact all of the people around the world so i thought uh, let us you know uh, let us explore this domain and during this uh, when i explored this i realized that there is a specialization which helps us you know conduct clinical trials or to be uh, a specialist of clinical trials so i did my md in that so it was always a focused wow. decision yeah so basically i was always focused on this and i i, I uh, guided my uh, all the decisions which i took later on in my career were focused to starting my own organization only so yes it was a big challenge to deviate from the routine but i always found challenges exciting and i thought why not you know because you can always uh, always get uh, fall back to treating patients but uh, to create some global impact to be involved in something global is always a chance which i couldn't refuse so i thought let's be the technopreneur here you know, try to be a I know. technocrat or whatever you call it. <laughs> so I was trying no, to start something. I am, when I met you and I got to know about this story and um, yeah. I think you faced, you did tell me that you started your company pre-pandemic. Tell yes, me, I, how was that experience? I mean, you walked into pandemic with successes or challenges of running a CRO organization. Yeah, so, so. Yeah, that was an unforeseen challenge, which I was not, uh, you know, which I was not prepared to handle actually until it happened. So yeah, yeah, we started this in 2018, but by the time we got our license, it was July 2019. So we we need a central government approval, you know, to go ahead. So we, we it was July 2019, and then as you all know, March 2020, the pandemic struck. So we had just uh, started our operations uh, in November, you know, and then just as we were taking our baby steps, pandemic struck. So so the biggest challenge was I did not know how we are going to conduct the trials or, you know, what, what do we do next? Because uh, all the logistics were completely shut down. So uh, our being a human trial or human clinical trials, our most important uh, connect with the patients is through the logistics because we need the people. We do the trials only on the people, right? The humans are the participants in the trials. And without them, without access to our patient pool or without access to our volunteers, we would, I mean, there was no way out. But slowly what happened is, luckily, uh, we, we did get a COVID trial in which we started off. And due to being a participant of the COVID trials, we had a few special permissions considering that. Along with uh, that, we slowly started uh, work again. Uh, we got a few other clinical trials and we started working uh, on our uh, logistics. And then we started connecting with people remotely and we took a few permissions from the government. So, so I was actually dealing with the permissions from the government agencies, managing the logistics of my team, uh, ensuring the finances of the company are uh, able to, you know, secure it because that, that was a time when there was no incoming. Uh, I mean, I would say there was no income 
for the company because uh, all our trials had stopped. Uh, so we just uh, generated another revenue stream in terms of COVID trials, and we got involved in a few other trials, like um, some uh, few, uh, you know, med uh, medical device trials also, which were involved in COVID. So somehow we survived that. But uh, then, as June and July came in, so we the the by God's grace, I would say, as June and July came in, there was a huge backlog of trials. Okay, so we became doubly busy even when the when when the restrictions were slightly lifted. So oh wow! Fact, yeah, so in fact, we had to expand in November 2020 itself, and and uh, again we have expanded in November 2021. So, no, but yes, tell me that it how many how many months did it take for you to get the first project? Was it, it immediate? No, it was not immediate. What happened is uh, I got my approval in July end 29th of July, so you can consider August. So August, September, October, and November was the time I uh, you know I got my first trial because. Our field is very regulated, actually. What happens is even if you get the license, it's not like you can start practicing from the next day. Whenever you want to participate in a trial, you are audited by the company who's giving you the trial as well. So there is this uh, gestation period of the being audited and then applying for the, the license to conduct the trial in the government. And it takes a little bit of time. There wow. is again, yeah, there is again this, uh, so the, the government approval timeline is the one which is, uh, which took time for us. But yes, from November onwards, uh, we have been working continuously, November 2021, yes. So give us, give us a deep insight. How easy was it to get the government approvals for trials? <laughs> it was not, <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is not easy, but, but I would like to say that the Indian government has done a fantastic mm -hmm. job actually. Uh, of modernizing the uh, permission process for clinical trials. So they have this uh, Sugam portal, which helps, uh, you know, which helps in applying online. And they have uh, managed to beautifully streamline the process for the trials, along with, you know, involving the experts. So there is a subject expert committee, which is involved in approving the trials. So they have the technical input as well, who are helping us out, uh, or, you know, who actually assess the trial and the requirements of the trial and what all is needed or whether the, the the design of the trial is perfect or not so 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 it is a big challenge but the government has uh, beautifully streamlined the process now so it is all uh, available online so we do know we do have a specific timeline for most of these approvals and uh, we can plan our studies accordingly interesting before i understand the process because i've yeah. always been quizzic quizzic quizzed about you know <laughs> clinical trials yeah, yeah, yeah. co vaccine yes. covid shield there was so yeah. much rumor in the industry yes, yes. let me take the first question here doctor yeah. are there some eligibility criteria for participating in trials because obviously we all have people in the family who are at critical health juncture where sometimes we need to consider clinical trials so yes, what yes. are the criteria yeah, so so basically, uh, what I would like to say is uh, the trials are designed particularly depending on the condition for which they are, uh, you know, for the disease condition for which they are uh, to be implemented. For example, if I'm testing a drug which is related to uh, bringing the blood sugar level down, so basically diabetes. So if any drug is to be uh, used in treating diabetes, the trial is then designed according to the diabetic protocol or to uh, according to the patients who are eligible to be participating in the study. So basically, for example, uh, if, if you are trying a, a you know, molecule which is anti-diabetic, then what I will do is I will, there is a particular uh, section which is called as inclusion and exclusion criteria. So the, this particular inclusion and exclusion criteria is what actually determines how a subject is selected for 
eligibility in clinical trials. Okay. So for a diabetic trial, uh, trial, my inclusion criteria will generally have that a patient should be suffering from diabetes, his HbA1c and his blood sugar level value should be above a certain limit and other things and he should not be suffering from other diseases like hypertension like that. So there is going to be multiple. So designing a clinical trial is not an easy task, but yes. So there is a protocol which we follow. So this okay. is for anti-diabetes. Similarly, it will be for cancer. Okay. So if, if there is a study for breast cancer, we will involve patients who are only suffering from breast cancer. We will right. not be involving patients who are having another cancer. So this is how the eligibility is decided. So generally it is like, uh, it is how we do that. Uh, through the inclusion and exclusion criteria, which is actually designed specifically related to the disease for which the drug is designed or designed. And how much of an influence do hospitals have on this? Or is it completely your organization's decision to take? Oh, uh, no, no, no. So how it works is no, no, no. Uh, we, we, we just designed the protocol. Okay. So okay. now this protocol or this inclusion exclusion criteria then goes to the central government for approval where the subject expert committee uh, reviews our protocols and if they have some suggestions they do give it or if they are fine with the protocol then they give a go ahead after which you know we get the NOC from the government to, for conducting the trials which is conducted in multiple hospitals okay, okay. so these hospitals uh, have uh, so there is this entity called the principal investigator so every hospital has a uh, doctor who is responsible whole and soul for that particular trial he's called as a principal investigator in the trial so that principal investigator then screens these patients. Okay. So how we do is the inclusion exclusion criteria is actually decided by the protocol, but how do we ensure that the subject fits into the inclusion exclusion criteria, right? How do we do that? So we do that by doing the blood test, the X-ray, the medical history and all that. So there is a combination of all of it and the data, which is then generated is assessed by the principal investigator and then he decides whether to enroll that patient into the trial or not. Okay, so that is how. Yeah, so the doctor is a decision making authority there. So I'm going to quickly take this question from Dolly. She's asking, how safe are these trials? I mean, I so she's my mom and I know she suffers from diabetes and you gave a diabetes example. So I'm pretty yeah. sure that's why she's curious. So yeah. are these are all trials safe? or not in your opinion let's say uh, out of out of 100% how many do you think are safe see uh, actually what happens is uh, see uh, we will go into trials trials are conducted in four phases generally okay so phase 1 phase 2 phase 3 and phase 4 generally in the phase 1 uh, study we we enroll a very small number of subjects on which we do the trial or on which the drug is uh, the, the the new drug which is to be tested is uh, actually designed and the uh, the dose for that drug is identified okay and that dose and the tolerable side effects are then identified this data is then put to the regulatory authority which then gives us a permission for the phase two trial now phase two trial you see how the drug is actually affecting the disease so this is again so phase one is done in maybe 15 to 20 people so the phase two will be done between 100 to 200 people and then wow. we go yeah so after, when this data is again analyzed then you are get the permission for the phase three trial, which is generally done in around hundreds to thousands, the patient pool, depending on the molecule. So what happens is generally the permission for each phase is only given after the data is analyzed. Okay. okay. So the, the, the question here is whether the drug is safe or whether uh, it is not. 
is already decided in the phase one studies. Actually, before the phase one studies, we do preclinical studies, which is done in animals. You know, animal models right. are decided. Yeah, so I've for, seen it uh, all in movies. Like me, I'm yeah. sure we all have seen this on movies. Yeah, I guess We've seen too much on Netflix and movies. Yes, How much of yes. it is true? Netflix just recently had a very hit web series where they painted the clinical yeah, trials yeah, really yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I, would, I would I would like to congratulate the director for catching all the negative points. <laughs> but actually what, what happens is, you know, what, what makes these series interesting is they are always going to explore the controversial points only. Right? They are going to explore the controversies. But there are Absolutely. thousands of trials. There are thousands of trials happening. There are thousands of, you know, patients being enrolled every day in a trial. And right. these trials do go through without any untoward incidences because nobody wants to, you know, exploit an, any other human being just for the, you know, monetary gain. Because being in a human trial landscape, uh, the responsibility for everybody's lives lies with the principal investigator and the organization as a whole. So nobody would like to do that. But what happens is, there was a time when uh, these controversies, when the controversies happened, uh, that was a bygone era actually in clinical trials. Nowadays, as I told you, everything is online, everything is reviewed by experts. So it is not uh, possible for anyone to, you know, survive long, even if they do try to, you know, take shortcuts. But uh, it is a, it was, uh, the controversies will always happen and the series will always, uh, you know, concentrate on those controversies only. Because <laughs> there are not going to be any gaps, right? <laughs> If I tell you all the goody goody, yeah, we are doing. See, if I, what happens is, if I show you actually what happens in a clinical trial, it's going to become a documentary. It will of not course. be a TV series for you. Yeah, so it is just going to become like a documentary, like Discovery Channel is showing how the trials are conducted. <laughs> so maybe people might, those who are interested might see that, but Netflix is not going to Thoda masala, thoda masala. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, I know this is a technical question Tushar is yeah, asking. Yeah. Apart from the regular yeah. hemogram, during uh -huh. COVID-19, an upward surge was noted for the prognostic yes. biomarkers lab requisitions. Yes. Highest percentage was noted for CRP, LDH, D-dimer. Yes. Yes. one by two, okay. iska ek aur hissa hai, which is ah, right I think here. Ek aur hissa hoga. The, the trend, trend declined the as the trend flattened. How did you keep up with this challenging work trend? So you'll have to also dumb it down for all of us. Yeah. So, so, I'll, I'll, I'll explain what he, what I think he wants to tell you is uh, when we started with COVID. Okay. So COVID was a new disease or a new entity, which nobody was aware of. Okay. So what people were doing is uh, people were planning, you know, people are planning. Uh, they were basically diagnosed with COVID. Luckily we did have the antigen test, which came up fast soon enough and RT-PCR uh, capabilities were also developed by the country soon enough, you know, to diagnose the patients. That was the biggest challenge we had earlier. But after diagnosing, the next challenge was how do we treat these patients? How do we know what we are treating is helpful to the patient or not? Okay. So what happened is they, they did a multiple, uh, you know, diagnostic tests during which it was observed that LDH, D-dimer, uh, these are the tests which were showing an elevation in COVID patients and in non-COVID okay. patients, they were maintaining a reasonable level. So what okay. these did was, yeah, yeah. So these, these were then identified as markers, you know, which help right. in diagnosing the, uh, which help in, you know, uh, uh, evaluating how we are treating the COVID patient, whether the COVID patient is, uh, you know, uh, being treated better or whether he's recovering or not. Okay. So right. how do we, uh, how did we identify this was? It was all a trial and error in the beginning. Uh, 
but what we did was d dimer and all uh, these are the few tests which we generally do in all infections ldh is also done uh, in 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 case of infections okay so these showed a different trend for covid so that is how they were identified and that is how uh, the doctors kept up with it and uh, as as you can see that uh, the hydroxychlor hydroxychloroquine was also used as a treatment which yes. showed a little bit of effect you know so these kind of trial and errors uh, came up and then a treatment regimen was finalized which was then approved by all the doctors and then it was uh, taken ahead and in which these diagnostic tests became a part of the routine covid protocol okay. covid treatment protocol so that is how we keep up with this because uh, treating a patient any patient right uh, a common cold can also be treated in different ways to a patient but eventually as you all know common cold is self resolving most of the times it is just a viral infection which is self resolving maybe after 2 3 days some people it takes a little bit more but actually we are just treating the symptoms there because there is the underlying uh, the the underlying disease is going to self resolve after a few days that's maybe. true but we all feel symptomatically a lot of relief when we are taking antibiotics and when we are yes, taking yes, those yes. Yeah, we are doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are doing that. You know, we are doing that because every every uh, every drug uh, addresses a specific issue of the disease. Like right. cetirizine is going to help a different thing. Antibiotic coverage is going to help you from developing another infection. So you just so, you know so, you're doing. Surya Prakash is saying hello, Doctor D and Doctor Neil. One question: Do you always complete the trial, or is there a condition in which you need to halt the trial midway? Yes, Now this yes, is interesting yes. because I'm going to add another part. Okay. uh with with the covid medicine covid shield there was a lot of buzz around that we fast track yeah. the trials and it's yes, not yes. safe so i think yes. these questions are connected what are your thoughts yeah so so uh, i i frankly would not be able to comment on the covid shield and the covaxin controversy because i have not been able to see the data personally if i would have got the chance then i would have been able to comment but yes uh, there were different mechanisms through which covid shield and covaxin were acting so obviously the trials were conducted differently different organi organizations being involved like uh, covaxin was developed by uh, astrazeneca and covishield by bharat vaccine so there were different approaches to it but uh, but the thing is uh, what happened actually what generally happens in trials is uh, we do we do uh, have a certain set protocol in which we do the trials but the safety of the subjects is also monitored during the trials okay so for example anti cancer drugs are generally uh you know uh, having a lot of toxic side effects but we do see it is a risk and reward right so uh, right. to treat cancer you are going to be treated uh, you are going to be given some drugs which are going to kill those cancer cells but those drugs are not just i'm i'm just dumbing it down for you make making it yes. simpler for everybody no, it's, to understand it's making sense to me and yeah, uh, yeah. So, so. to all our viewers please give telling us uh, if it's making sense to you as well because yeah. i know he can help us understand it more in details right so so we we what we are doing here is so the 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 drugs are cytotoxic drugs is what they are called so they are generally going to uh, help in killing the cancer cells but they are going to affect the other cells as well you know so there is a certain side effect profile which is already there inherent to these anti cancer medications now what we have to do is we have to evaluate how much of it is helping the cancer and how much of it is damaging the you know the patient so some trials have this uh, these drugs what happens generally is as i told you in phase 1 trials we do absolutely evaluate the safety of the drug not we do not concentrate on whether the drug is treating the cancer or not because you don't want uh, multiple patients to be exposed to a drug which can harm them okay right. so that's why right. the sample size is very less in the phase 1 trials what happens is if if the data is promising then we go to phase 2 but obviously 
uh, in the small sample size. Sample size means the number of patients which are enrolled. Uh, we cannot predict how the drug is going to, you know, uh, affect the general population. So that is where the phase two and phase three trial come in. Phase three trials are generally, you know, global trials, and there are multiple patients involved, and there are, uh, you know, uh, thousands of patients enrolled and thousands of sites. So what they do is we generally don't restrict it to one ethnicity, one race. What we do is we, we do global trials for this, for some drugs, because what happens is uh, Indian population has a different geography, uh, geography which they are uh, dealing with, different genetics. Okay, so same way Americans, the Caucasians, the African Americans, uh, the, uh, the Hispanics, the Asians, uh, the have all different genetics. So what generally uh, phase three trials do is they expose, uh, they try and enroll as much of a variety of uh, population as we can to ensure that this drug is safe in all populations. Okay. So uh, during this, if it is observed that that, uh, so sometimes a phase two, uh, phase zero and phase two studies have a less, lesser duration of treatment as well. In phase three, the duration of treatment is much more, maybe one year, two years also. So generally, but since it is all regulated, have yeah. you been ever asked to leave something halfway? Yes, exactly. So what happens is if the subject safety is being compromised in any of these stages at any stage, and if it outweighs the risk, uh, if the risk outweighs the benefit, definitely we are going to stop the trial midway because we cannot risk. Wow. Uh, yeah, we cannot risk the health of the patients uh, just to, you know, uh, just to uh, so, get I the mean, results, the results of the drug. Yeah. 365 so uh, yeah so it's a big challenge but yes we the priority for any organization has to be subject safety or has to be patient safety you know the lives of the humans matter more than anything else either the result of the drugs the, the the anything else is secondary to the safety of the patient whenever that is compromised that is the day you stop the trial you do not go ahead with it Talking and, about and human safety, Murlidhar yeah. here is saying, can you take trials on horses other than humans? So we, as I told you earlier, before any before any drug is launched, we do we animals. Test, we do animal testing, yes, and animal but models. Are horses are, included? Horses in are generally vaccines. In vaccines, we do horses. Uh, yeah, horses are used in vaccine trials generally because to produce vaccines. So now that is a thoda. Uh, it is outdated now, but earlier it was. Uh, for example, uh, snake, anti-venom of the snake, we used to make the horse, you know, uh, the snake, the horse was bitten by the snake and the plasma was separated through which the uh, anti-venom was conducted because the anti-venom was naturally produced in the horses. So yes, trials have been conducting, yes. So this is was one of the examples. But yes, every every disease has a separate model on which animals, model of animals on which it will work. You know, So generally we start off with rodents, that is the mice, the rats. Yeah. And all this. Yeah. Uh, and That's then why I, could, I couldn't be a doctor because I couldn't even handle in my labs in school <laughs> dissecting a mice. So God no, bless no, no, you. No. How you? <laughs> no, then, yeah, again, then, then, then going in MBBS and you know MBBS and MBs again. Yeah, that is a totally different topic. But yeah, in, for to answer uh, the gentleman's answer, uh, question, 
it is that we start off with rodents we basically start off with cell lines and rodents which is a smaller species then we go on to mammals that is dogs monkeys and then if the data is sufficiently uh, you know safe or if it is right. showing any effect then only right. go ahead with human trials and this data has to be presented to the regulatory authorities who then actually evaluate the data whether it is uh, worth giving uh, you know giving permission to to be tested in humans Test. it is not that easy they they are not going to let you any 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 company even how big it is uh, if they do not have a satisfactory data in the pre clinical stage they are not going to let you go to the clinical stage anyways so that is how it is so we do that uh, yeah yeah so so doing trials in humans uh, in horses other than humans is not possible because we have to do the trials in humans before the drug is launched in the market वो चाह रहे हैं कि सब सब पहले एनिमल्स पे फिर इंसानों पे आए तो हम लोग बच जाएंगे wasn't available in the form of vaccination and it was very expensive and i didn't know that oral solution existed yeah so this maybe. is congratulations to you thank you thank you so much thank you so much yeah we did we did do a, a study for oral remdesivir solution for one of our clients and uh, it was uh, it was good but now they are planning a bigger trial for it so we did oh, So, so so in coming times so hopefully it will become like you know a very commonly available drug because yeah, right the, now it's still scarce it, yeah it is scarce but the biggest challenge with remdesivir was that you had to you know uh, give it under hospital supervision only so the plan of having oral remdesivir was that people at home can also take it you know so those those covid patients who who uh, basically the biggest challenge during covid again was finding beds finding hospitals who are ready to take in patients right so right. if if we can develop right. oral remdesivir then we can provide the highest level of treatment uh, at home itself but again so as i told you the remdesivir data was again dicey a little bit so i think that has slowed down i like the use of the word dicey so coming i'm coming i'm linking that to this question because uh-huh. it says nitin is saying how do the possible risks and benefits of these trials compare to okay. those of the standard treatment so i'm going to i'm going to make one more part of this question which i'm curious about that for example one one medicine comes into the market and i'm hoping it comes after a lot of approvals and trials but right. then it stays on for decades and generations yes. Yes. i mean aren't we like in technology we have to keep revamping the technology there are different versions दवाइयों में ऐसा नहीं होता है क्या मतलब वो डोलो ने तो डोलो की कंपनी the possible risk and benefit so what happens is uh, you evaluate a drug by how effective it is okay now dolo 650 is still effective in uh, bringing down the fever of patients everywhere i mean dolo is like dolo is just the other name for crocid okay right. so they both right. have the same contents so what happens is uh, dolo 650 or crocin 650 uh, are the same uh, molecule the active ingredient pharmaceutically is the same 
So these drugs are always going to be used till they're effective. Okay. But once these drugs are not effective, we do have to go for a newer line of treatment. For example, uh, in uh, antibiotics, we are always searching for newer antibiotics, you know, or uh, newer, more effective antibiotics because the old ones are already facing resistance from the molecule. So there's drug resistance and uh, over prescription is one big challenge which the doctors are facing now. But uh, but there are new molecules to help out with this. So so what happens is, uh, as you said, innovation is there everywhere. The same way innovation is there in the pharma field as well with newer molecules coming in to target newer therapies. For example, if your mom is a diabetic, I think it, it was your mom, right? Yes. It was a diabetic. So she might have started with metformin, but now she might have been added with one of the gliptins or the other other drugs, you know, because right. uh, slowly we are getting more efficient in the treatment of diabetes by actually uh, impacting what causes the, you know, fluctuation in the blood sugar levels. So we are just trying to target it. So basically we are just going to targeted drug delivery here. You know, we are targeting and yeah, we keep, uh, the so the technology is going to those places where we are actually targeting what is causing the disease rather than treating the symptoms of the disease, you know. So, I was going through your LinkedIn feed and somewhere I think you had endorsed an article about uh, insulin as a drug and not a vaccination. And I think diabetes has become a very lifestyle as an, yes. Oh, yes. Oral so insulin. Oral yeah. insulin, right. Yeah. So uh, uh, is there any progress? Are we going to yes, have that? Yes, because that will help so many people. Yeah, so just the, the article which you might have seen, that was the one in which the phase two trial of insulin got through, oral insulin. So now they are planning a phase three trial in which we'll actually uh, know the effectiveness of oral insulin over a longer period of time, maybe one, one and a half, two years, maybe how they design it. So the, the, the benefit here would be that, as you know, insulin is to be taken by injection only. Right yes. now, insulin is available in the injection form because when you take insulin orally, it degrades in the metabolism. What happens is what drug it degrades by the time it reaches the GIT. So right. the gastrointestinal tract. Okay. So, so the thing is, uh, we are, uh, the, the insulin is getting degraded then. So the biggest challenge was how do we, you know, ensure that insulin is effective, but not getting degraded, even if we take it orally. So if we can develop that kind of formulation, it, what it takes care of is the compliance. You know, people are scared. Nobody wants to inject themselves every day. Of course. Right? In insulin, you have to inject yourself every day after meals or before meals, you know, however, however the doctor prescribes it. But what happens is uh, we have to, you know, uh, ensure that the people are taking the drugs by making it more convenient for them by increasing the compliance. So oral insulin is a big step there, you know. Wow. So that's why I endorsed it because it can be a game changer for diabetes because insulin is, is singularly the most effective drug to control diabetes because that is Absolutely. what we are lacking Absolutely. due to diabetes. Yeah. So, I so, think so, medi medicines stop working after a certain period of time and like thyroid, uh, diabetes has become a lifestyle disease with the increased stresses. I'm sure you see so many of them. So this, yes. this would definitely be a game changer. Bhau right. Sahib is saying working with you for the clinical trial for ionizer for the activation of the coronavirus. We had done that during the beginning of COVID. As I told you, we had worked on a medical device on which right. we were uh, that ionizer was uh, their negative and positive ions were considered to make the air safe uh, to breathe for COVID patients. So we were working on those. So yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to take this because it says babe studies. I mean, do we have babe <laughs> studies? <in the> world? <laughs> oh, I, wish, I wish we had babe studies. <laughs> yeah. 
are not BAE studies. They are actually uh, BABE, that is bioavailability and bioequivalence studies. So as okay. we were discussing current till till now, the conversation was all on the patients and the drugs which were used to treat patients. But as I told you already, as you said, there are uh, molecules which have been in the market since ages, you know. So these are generally called the generic molecules. They are not new ones. They're already there. So what happens is uh, bioavailability, bioequivalent studies are those which are, uh, you know, used, which are designed to test whether one generic molecule or is equivalent to the innovator. Okay. So what happens is, for example, if, if crocin was the first paracetamol in the world, every other person will have to develop his own formulation, which is then tested through bioavailability studies. So what we do is eventually, basically, uh, for example, if, if there is an X pharma company, which is, uh, you know, which is tested, which is owning the paracetamol brand, once the patent expires, there are other pharma companies who want to, you know, want a piece of the pie or who want to be involved. So what these drugs, what these companies do is they develop their own formulation. And after that, they, uh, after that formulation is developed, they actually, you know, uh, test it against the innovator, against the person who actually involved, uh, you know, innovator means the person who actually invented the drug or who holds a patent for it. It's a very basic <clears throat> level. So what we do is, is generic is compared against the innovator. And if it is found to be equivalent, that is the bioavailability and bioequivalence, it is found to be bioequivalent, then that person has the permission to launch it in the market. So that these are the generally bioavailability studies are generally conducted in healthy people. It is not conducted in patients unless it is a specific requirement for that particular drug. Generally, it is seen in anti-cancer drugs only be tested in patients, but all other drugs are generally tested in healthy volunteers only. Interesting. So, yeah. So the interesting part here is the healthy people are participating <laughs> in these studies. In these studies. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, do, do they get paid? Yeah, absolutely. They get paid as per uh, the amount, which is, approved by the ethics committee. So this ethics committee or IRBs, institutional review boards or independent ethics committees. These are the committees which are again approved by the central government to ensure that the trials are conducted ethically or not. Okay. So the ethics committee also right. takes ownership in ensuring that uh, the, the trials are conducted in an ethical manner because I had just uh, read a question on the side which said what about the ethics in clinical research or something like that. Yes, I was about to come to that. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's so, just so, a so huge question. <laughs> it is the biggest question and for this uh, government has uh, independent bodies who are doing that, monitoring that as well as every institute which is doing a clinical trial has to have its own independent ethics committee which is ensuring that the subject safety is paramount and not the commercial gain for the, uh, for the hospital. Uh, so they all are there to prioritize the subject safety and subject health, you know. So these are the ethics committees which again uh, ensure that. So all these molecules, all, all these generic studies which are done, are done under the aegis of the ethics committee as well, along with the central government approvals. And if they are found to be equivalent, then you get a new player in the market, which eventually helps in reducing the costs, right? For, for example, if Remdesivir is from one pharma company and only one pharma company is making Remdesivir and if we do not have any competitor, then that person can, you know, that then uh, they can charge you any amount, right? They okay. can charge you any amount of money. So what these uh, bioavailability bioequivalence guidelines do is they help in bringing another player into the market eventually, which takes down the cost for these molecules to the basic consumer or the patient. 
So that but is many, the biggest. But many many congratulations to you because I was doing my research and my team told me yeah. that you are one amongst the twenty twenty five. Uh, yeah. Companies only into this very specialized niche field in our country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yes. I hope many more doctors start thinking like you and you know come over to the entrepreneur world like us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, most of the doctors are entrepreneurs in their own rights. You know, any doctor who starts a hospital is actually an entrepreneur as well because he is actually running the uh, hospital, and right. obviously the finances have to be, uh, you know. Uh, basically taking care of uh, the the whole hospital you know so he is actually an entrepreneur in his own right because our doctor generally provides an employment at any basic level to 15 20 people as well you know sure uh, but yeah yeah it, it it all depends on the perspective of interest and how how uh, how you are placed you know to take the risks so yes there are doctors who are already working in this field it is not just me but yes uh, by god's grace i would say that i have got this opportunity to own one of these organizations because i have always been focused on this and obviously uh, it's been my family who's helped me through this but definitely yeah, it it just takes uh, it just takes you know a lot of support to start your own business any any startup for that matter i think any you have heard this story many many times yeah. <laughs> yes so yes any startup again has its own challenge talking about family tell me about your sacrifice i mean yes we are talking about professional challenges but i want to know and i want everybody to know that to be like dr neel lahoti even he had to make a personal sacrifice so what was that i did i did have to actually what happened is was uh, i always was planning to start the cro as you know since my internship and md days but but i had planned this in 2015 actually and uh, in 2015 we got to know that my wife is expecting so that is fine i mean people do but then we got to know that we are expecting twins so wow. it was a big shock <laughs> yeah so it was a big shock for all of us you know so it was, i mean i i did not absolutely i did not know how to react to that news so i was like okay now we have twins so how do i do this so i decided not to have one more baby that is in the bio that by that time you know so i actually postponed exactly. i actually postponed uh, my my starting my startup uh you know by uh, by 2 to 3 years because i wanted to give the time to my kids as well because i am not going to have two year old a set of twins who are going to be one year old two year old by the time i mean i can always start the company but i will not have uh, my kids being so young i mean i did not want to miss that Wow! So you you actually invested like a hands-on dad, and I know to everybody out there, you should check him out on Instagram. His handle is so cute because it's dad underscore Neil. And yeah, yeah. Uh, but 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 had you started in 2015, you yeah. would have delayed a lot of challenges that you faced because of I the pandemic. Have. Because you guys got the runway only in 2019, and then 2020, Absolutely. bam, we had the pandemic here. it would have it would have i mean if i would have started in 2015 i do, i mean uh, i do not know where i would have been right now but i am hoping that uh, it was not too late because i had to i got to enjoy my children's childhood as well but yes it was a big sacrifice which i decided consciously because i wanted to be there for my family during those times and i'm i was pretty sure my wife is not going to be able to handle both the kids on her own so yes and obviously family support was there but you know you you prioritize things right you prioritize things you always know that you can start a company whenever you can but uh, at that moment i decided that my kids and my family were more important for me rather That's than great. you know 
Dr. Ankita Lahoti is really lucky and uh, I would love to have her on the show and hear from her as well, her <laughs> side of the story, <laughs> whether it was good to have you 24-7 at home or not. <laughs> I, was, I was not 24-7 at home, but yes, I did. I, I was working. I was working whenever I could make, I could. I gave time to my family and my wife. Yes, so we pulled through then. But then I would say that, you know, that gave me a different perspective in life. It helped me mature a little bit more. Maybe if I would have started in 2015, the kind of growth we we, we have had uh, now would not have happened, you know. So so True. there are a few things which happened uh, during uh, when I, I started in 2018, 2019. Then I met my maybe I met my I, I met my partner in business to in 2019, 2020. Maybe if I would have started in 2015, so timing, maybe that yeah. yeah so you never know, you know. So so I uh, I firmly believe that. Uh, uh, there is a right place and time for everything and uh, you should always know what to prioritize then though because you don't want to miss out on the opportunities very so valuable uh, very yeah, valuable lesson. lesson i think it's yeah, there's yeah. a huge key <laughs> takeaway for all of us manav yes. and i'm pulling this con you know this question again and again because manav wants to know which covid vaccine wow. did you take and why <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I took COVID shield actually. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I took COVID Why? Because because COVID shield was uh yeah it was basically an inert vaccine which was supposed to pro provide more immunity. The immunity which COVID shield was supposed to generate was a more textbook point of view correct for me, for me as a personal choice. But uh, the data, anyways, I mean, uh, was presented uh, which we actually came later on once we took the COVID shield vaccine. So Covaxin was supposedly uh, better than Covishield. Uh, Covaxin uh, was supposedly better than Covishield, which was eventually proved in the data over a period of one or two years. But uh, at the time when Covishield was launched, I was, uh, you know, I was I was more concerned about the mechanism of action or how the Covishield vaccine was working. You know, so it was a chemically inert uh, virus, which which generally should produce better immunity. So as per my analysis, I, I, I took that. I waited but, for the Russian chimpanzee. Any thoughts on that? Am I safe or am I not safe? Sputnik. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you, you, yeah, you actually took Sputnik. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, some, for some reason in the Ukraine war hadn't happened by then. But for some reason, I knew that there is something coming my way. So let me just wait. So how how protected am I in your opinion? No, no. Yes. Putnik is also uh, relatively very uh, safe vaccine. And it is it is definitely produced immunity. The thing here is, you know, COVID was so unpredictable that people who had vaccines also suffered or did lose their lives somehow. And those yeah. who who were not having not not being vaccinated also did not even have a single, you know, single symptom to it, you know. True. So so COVID was so unpredictable. So I I generally feel basically a person should be healthy. You know, the vaccine is going to help. The vaccine is going to help, but having a healthy and a positive outlook towards life is also going to help in this kind of a situation. Because uh, what happens is being healthy, uh, generally your underlying uh, immunity is higher than the other people. Being healthy and being positive, your general immunity is higher than the other people, which eventually helps uh, the people, uh, you know, to cope up, to cope up or to react to medicines better. So eventually, people right. were just treating COVID symptomatically in the beginning. You know, so there were many people who right. lost life. Basically, we were trying to ensure the oxygen was at optimum levels at all times. That was the basic target first, and to protect them from super infection or secondary infection. 
True. So Sanket wants to ask you, did you take the booster dose? Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So now I, I <laughs> we are tightening the news. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I haven't I haven't taken the booster dose actually because see this is again a personal opinion as shares. Uh, I would see this is I am not in a place to recommend whether you want, should take the booster or not. But I haven't personally taken the booster dose because what happened is after I took uh, the vaccinations. I actually got COVID in the second wave, so I, oh. I had COVID. So I thought that has provided me the booster immunity needed. So that's why I haven't taken the booster dose. But I, it's not something I would recommend to everyone because, as I told you, everybody is having different immunity, different body types, different stress levels in their lives. So I would recommend having a healthy and a positive uh, uh, environment at home and healthy life to concentrate on your health. Uh, you know, you should always take out time for your health and well-being. because that is something which i see many people lacking nowadays including me sometimes i mean i i i try to make it a conscious decision that i do take care of my health but so yes what people do, you do, do i mean what is your de-stressing mantra i my de-stress see as i told you i mean uh, my kids are one of my biggest stress busters actually so okay. seeing them grow yeah seeing them grow is a is a good uh, stress busting thing for me but yeah uh, generally one hour of exercise every day should be good enough i generally And target that And Ajay wife is adding to stress or taking away the stress. Uh, wife has always supported me, so she just takes away the stress. Takes away the stress. But, but but it's not nothing is hundred percent, you know. <laughs> nothing is. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. It is not nothing is hundred percent, but yeah, definitely I would say she takes away stress rather than giving most of the stress. Because yeah. we have a lot of married people in the house. Let's let's yeah. be relatable here. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. I cannot say that it's all rosy, but yes, hundred hundred percent. Doctor Ankita, ko apne hundred percent stress free bana diya, to unke pas line lag jayegi. No, no, no. Wow, she she's uh, she she does take away most of my stress, but obviously in a in a marriage in a you know in a things in certain. life life happens to everyone right so yeah there are stressful moments but but eventually we do we both of uh, both of us do try and help each other you know by taking away our stresses because both of us being doctors she also has her own stress she is dealing with patients and all so we we do try to do that but yeah it's a it's a part and parcel so i wouldn't say anybody is 100% okay in this <laughs> absolutely So Rajesh Malhotra is saying, Doctor yeah, D, Doctor Neil is an expert in bioanalytical and bioequivalent yeah, studies yeah, yeah. with excellent knowledge technically. Please ask him questions on BABE studies. Wow, you know what, Rajesh, we explored Babe. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, luckily he put the space in between. So yeah, yeah luckily he put the space. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and we can, Rajesh, we can always have over a tea or coffee, like exclusive babe discussions with him later behind the screen. Sure. Yes, yes, absolutely. So no, we no, have no, a no. lot of, you know, I'm struggling to keep up with a lot of engagement here. Uh, we have actually the government should award you for your <laughs> brilliant work. Wow, <laughs> Doctor Dolly is endorsing it. Yeah, yeah. No, I would say, doctor. Thank you, Doctor Dolly, for thinking so highly of me, and I really appreciate this comment from you. But yes, I would, I would be really modest here because I'll tell you frankly, there are a lot of people working in this field. You know, lot of people doing good work here. So, so yes, we are doing our bit. I'm pretty sure that we are helping out people, uh, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy at this place, uh, place where we are in. But uh, you know, uh, I would say that there are many more deserving people rather than. 
No, I'll give you the win and you should take the win because uh, I always tell everybody, especially as a leadership coach, that a good leader, let it be any industry, is who can bring 35,000 feet conversations to 2,000 feet conversations. And we are building so much awareness today. The engagement is a testimony. I have people joining in from America right now because I know wow. I have my... Uh, my partner and client, Dave Buck here, and he's saying yes. thank you for your commitment to make the world a safer yes. and healthier place. Thank so we're so making sure that you're globally acknowledged and recognized for this. And uh, I have my mom here saying, hope your hard work gets wider acknowledgement. Thanks, Dr. D, for highlighting Dr. Neil. Yeah, definitely. I would like to thank Dr. D for this. But yes, yes, we are, we are trying to do a bit and hopefully in the long run, things will take care of itself. You know? I'm pulling in a very interesting uh, question from Rajat. Sir, as yeah. of now, you're well established. Do you have any other goals in life which you want to achieve? So what are your other right. goals? I'm curious. Yeah, so so being, I, I would like to tell you, being an entrepreneur, one of the basic rules is never be satisfied with what you have. Uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it. You should definitely enjoy what you have, but you should not be satisfied with it because there's always something more to achieve. You know, so, so basically, uh, we are we are we are established right now but we still have a long way to go as 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 you know that technology and innovation is always happening in all fields i i we are still working to become cutting edge at our own craft so so as a cro as a contract research or clinical research organization we are still trying to modernize ourselves and we are always getting new and more challenging molecules or uh, challenging uh, work you know so i would like to establish the expertise there so, the, uh, and personally, I would like my kids to remain humble and know, you know, a lot of things to teach our kids also. So, so the life is not, uh, it doesn't stop here. We are well established, but we still have a long way to go to become world class. I mean, I want to be an yeah. organization which is globally recognized. You know, we are, we are doing work for US, Canada and other countries, UK, China, Australia as well. But yes, but but we want to be consistently and, uh, you know, consistently excellent and be appreciated world over. So, yes, this is a journey which I have taken and being an entrepreneur is a beautiful journey. You know, so you never know how it uh, you never way, uh, look at the destination. You just enjoy the journey. That is how you will be, yeah. uh, you know, able to take up the challenges or or, or, you, or uh, you yourself also might be knowing that if you don't enjoy the journey, there is uh, Always the chance Without passion, then you'll never be able to make it there. Absolutely. So, are you bootstrapped or are you invested? No, no, we were, we were, we are bootstrapped currently. Yes, we are. So, we all are my network uh, investors out there, would you be open <laughs> to investment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if the if the right proposal comes through, why not? But but currently we are bootstrapped and we are happy with the place we are in right now. Rafiq wants to know: Do yeah. you treat yourself? Do you treat yourself? <laughs> <laughs> or do you go to? <laughs> So, Rafiq ji, thank you for this question. <laughs> but I would like to say that, uh, you know, most of the times I treat myself uh, because we do generally know the protocols. But yeah, sometimes if, if it is uh, something which, uh, you know, uh, which which actually uh, impacts my uh, well-being, which I want a third-party view, I generally go to another, uh, other doctors. You know? I go to other doctors because you want to generally consult the expert because uh, some things you, you let, let the experts handle, you know. That is how it is. But most of the times we take care of ourselves and we, yes. Interesting. Ruchi is yeah. saying perseverance and hard work paid off. Congratulations. Amazing and such insightful conversation. Thank you for the validation, Ruchi. 
Yeah, these are just relatives. <laughs> I being happy with no. whatever I'm doing. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I hope the the general people also feel the same. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, as I told you, the families, uh, family support is a big important. Uh, of course. And I think everybody needs validation, even as qualified as yeah. you. I'm sure compliments and validations are welcome. So, Hiren, a youngster is asking you, what makes you yeah. to take the clinical research degree? So, if youngsters who are watching the show, how can yeah. they qualify? Can you tell us a little bit? Right. So, 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 Hiren, I would. I'm not the typical clinical research degree holder actually, because I was an MBBS doctor and I've completed my MD in clinical pharmacology and therapeutics. But uh, for people of any life science graduate can go make a career in clinical research. Okay, so what you have to do is there are many multiple courses available which help you in clinical research, data management, pharmacovigilance, uh, and statistics. So any life life science graduate like BSc, MSc, BPharm, MPharm, uh, these people are eligible uh, to get into clinical research. They just have there are a few organizations who are uh, giving postgraduate degrees. And you know who are doing a lot of uh, work for uh, 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 educating the children or the youngsters to get into the clinical research field. So you can always enter this field being a life science graduate. If you are not a life science graduate, maybe you can just uh, go into uh, statistics and then maybe enter. But most of the life science graduates have an easy entry into the clinical research field by doing a few bridge courses or doing a few postgraduate courses, diplomas. So it is possible. Yeah, it is possible. Yeah. And I'm guessing this field is growing, so there will be always a requirement for new resources, one right? The, one of the good places to be, yeah, absolutely. Pharma you know, I just, I did, yeah. I didn't realize that in the conversation flow, we are almost hitting an hour. It didn't feel like it. Right. And right. I interrupted you. You were talking about the pharma industry. You think there are new opportunities in years to come for a lot of people? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. As I, I just read this comment from Daily Draw, doing a great job for the country, Atman Nirbhar Bharat. So, so I, I really, India is known as a pharmacy to the world. We have the technical expertise. We do have the technology now and we are working on it all the time. And the beauty is uh, the Indian government is also supporting this in a long, uh, in a terrific manner and they are streamlining processes. So it, it become, it, it is becoming easier for people to conduct the trials and, you know, uh, scientific base and scientific, uh, expertise is available. So I really think that uh, pharma industry is going to grow in a long way and eventually the world is going to flock to us for all their requirements in the pharma field. I hope Provided, they do. My wish is Provided our people continue doing quality job. You know, we don't want Indian job but yes, providing our people are doing it. And I do really think that Indians genuinely are trying their level best in this and we are doing well. There are a lot of people who are doing well. Who are doing well. Okay. So uh, what advice for new startups will you give? Yeah. So new startups, I would like to give one biggest advice for any startup is never give up. There is always going to be a time when you are going to be relevant. Okay. See what happens in startups is everybody thinks that their idea is really great. And uh, it's really, you know, uh, it's really life changing. It is generally life changing for that person, but maybe maybe what is going to happen is you might be one of the other startups or maybe see what happens is original ideas are very few and far between to tell you frankly. True. Okay. True. So generally most of the ideas are some which are already there in the market. You're going to find people who are already there in the marketplace. The biggest idea here is to always never give up and try to differentiate yourself from your peers. That is how you will survive. And later on, you can always go into the innovation. And obviously if you have an innovative idea, anyways, you're going to, you know, uh, anyways, you're going to be very successful. Like for example, WhatsApp or something, 
they became successful but now there are so many apps like whatsapp doing the rounds you know taking away the subscribers then what what is whatsapp doing it is trying to differentiate itself trying to get yeah. in new features so you'll have always have to you know never give up and always be ready to innovate and be agile that way you know you have to be very agile you have to understand the innovation which is taking care of the industry because disruption is everywhere and i think nokia was the biggest sufferer of disruption android came in and nokia is gone fantastic case study yes we all yeah, we all so have seen that yeah so we we i mean every person has suffered that actually we all had uh, everybody's first mobile was generally nokia but yes. i don't think anybody is using nokia now so they they just missed the train they just missed the bus so you have to missed be very bus, right? yeah yeah you have to be very uh, aware agile and ready to make changes be adaptable and never give up basically you know you, your time is going to come but you can you can never give up but you have to constantly upgrade yourself so that when the opportunity comes you are able to you know grab it so innovate upgrade and never give up i think uh, very valuable lessons and i'm happy that you reinforced it because as an entrepreneur especially in current times new normal has been tough on a lot of people absolutely um, absolutely but who is your role model yeah that is what they're asking me so so uh now that is a question which you know uh, that is uh or do you like actually, different qualities from different people absolutely it is not just one person who i am looking at because there are multiple people who have done amazingly well in their life so i always try to pick up and you know taking qualities in by qualities which will help me in the long run so there are multiple role models but if if at all i would like to uh, i i think ratan tata is an ex- excellent example excellent example i i would i mean if i can contribute in any way mr ratan tata has done nothing like it because he is a world leader and he's got in jaguar land rover technology into indian routine households through the tata cars and look at the revival tata has tcs it's it's fantastic i mean the way uh, tata always gives back to the community i mean mind blowing for me ratan tata is one of my role models for sure you know if at all fantastic. i would like to yeah. i'm pretty confident a lot of leaders from tata group of companies are going to be watching this and uh, i'm going to reach out personally to a few people where we are going to send this bit to him and i think he'll okay. be very happy to know sure, that sure. Uh, he's for your sure. role model uh, i think a very valuable question which i missed out Dr Ankita is saying people want to know what is exactly a CRO and as i understand it's clinical research organization yeah cl- clinical there are two ways people put it it is a clinical research organization or a contract research organization basically what CROs do is uh, they are doing clinical trials but they are generally not doing clinical trials for themselves they are doing it for the pharma companies you know for the sponsors or for the other people who are actually manufacturing the drug who are actually innovating the drug. so they are generally contract research organizations or clinical research organization as you can call them because we are doing clinical research work but sometimes the, the it is a similar definition so it just varies as per the role we are in generally if you are bidding for it we will be contract research organization generally if you are conducting it we will be clinical research organization so it's wow. the same yeah okay and so dave from america is asking what advice can you give to help us better take care of ourselves yeah I, i already told you that that you should you should always you know you should always uh, have a you should always dedicate some part of your time to your own well being right so eventually everybody has their own commitments we all work we all have our families to take care of we all have uh, jobs we all have company everything but you always you know you should make sure that you take time to you know actually take care of your own selves you know that uh, you should invest some time in yourself 
So, wow. so, so that that is where you are going to always, you know, that is where you are going to find some kind of environment, or that is going to improve your quality of life for sure. I mean, I would let everybody, every startup person, every person who is starting up, or every person who is well established. I think the well established ones already know this. So, I'm just uh, telling it to the startup ones that you should invest some time in yourselves also. You always that have is to lovely. start up there. Yeah, yeah, that is one important thing. So that is how you will upgrade your life eventually. And once you start investing time in yourself, you will know where you're lacking, right? Sometimes maybe it is a mental health, sometimes it is a physical health, sometimes it's an emotional quotient, whatever it is. Then you have to just work on those things. So even and coincidentally, to... Dave is a time consciousness leader. So yeah, he leads these coaching sessions and you just hit the nail there and yeah. invest time in yourself. And that is beautiful. So what's your mantra for a healthy life other than health? Let's talk about mental health. In current times, yeah. Dr. Lahoti, we have seen a surge of, of depression cases. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, suicide cases. We have data to support uh, where people, right? Uh, and there were multiple reasons in pandemic which contributed. For somebody yes. like you who's, who's so sorted, who has everything, you're very humble. But I'm pretty uh, sure how do you, you must be doing something to take care of your mental health. So yeah, I do, are you, I do. what do you do? Yeah, so, so for me, my mental health comes from my spirituality. So I've okay. always been, yeah, I've always been very spiritual. And uh, uh, the other the other thing is I generally, you know, you do need a support system to fall back on. So you have to open right. up to some people. So the, the major issue where people are suffering nowadays is because of this uh, tablets and online and everything is becoming online now. People are more invested in their mobiles than the conversation with a real person. So what is happening here is we are losing those uh, family values. You know, I remember people flocking to see Ramayana and Mahabharata that time. So it was like a family time. I remember family. being my Chitra. Was a child. Yeah, Chitra. So it was like Rangoli, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, so many things, right? So we knew that the family is going to get together for dinner. They're going to be seeing these things together. So there used to be conversations. The kids used to ask their parents what their difficulties they are facing. Nowadays, the problem with uh, the parents and the children basically all lies in communication. So I think communication is the biggest, uh, for me personally, okay, again, I would say it's a personal opinion, but I think if, if you increase the communication, if the people or the kids or the, even the adults can put across what is actually, you know, uh, making their lives miserable or which is actually adding to the stress in their lives, there are solutions to everything. I, I firmly believe there is no problem which doesn't have a solution because you call it a problem because it has a solution, frankly. Wow. So or you well just said. say it's a fact. Yeah, it just came up. No. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So you, you should frame this. <laughs> I should, I should, I should, you know, I should make you my trademark or something, I guess. But, but you call it a problem because you have a solution, you know, or else it's just a fact. For me, it's just a fact. Okay. So if someone uh, yeah, yeah. So, so what we have to concentrate on is the problems. And if you can communicate those to the, as I said, I also consult experts whenever I feel like it. There are always people whom you can talk to or who, you know, can provide you solutions. So you should always be open to taking advices is where, you know, you will, you will let go of a lot of stress that way. A lot of introverted people find it difficult exactly. to talk about their feelings. Yeah, yeah. And I think yes. you've said something very valuable and that can really take a lot of mental stress and emotional stress relationship stress down for a lot of people so yes it so, can it can for sure. an original quotation there it will for sure it will it so will for sure, yes. 
questions and feedback are still pouring in but i know i'm yeah. i'm aware of your time constraint uh, but i yeah. wanted to do this rapid fire where okay. i don't give you too much time to think That's so fine. are you ready <laughs> <laughs> i hope i'm ready i don't know how the questions are going to be so yeah <laughs> okay so favorite genre of music ghazal or rock i would go for ghazals yeah okay favorite leisure activity would you like to play golf or would you like to go for a brisk walk golf yes okay sports any sport actually i would prefer uh, the sport between reading a book and listening to music what would you do reading a book it's more soothing for me is there any book that is inspiring you these days are you reading any book uh, i am reading are you, are you reading I'm, your trials <laughs> and your thesis no, no, i am reading atomic habits it is a book which you know uh, impacts each habit you just try to get better at each yes. thing even one person at a at a time you know that is how the concept is in the book it's very interesting and if you can implement it in your daily activities uh, i'm i'm seeing changes maybe it will help other people so atomic habits is what i'm reading right now yeah. wow we can all pick up that copy and start reading it your For belief sure. is in destiny or karma oh uh, okay you can't think so much you? i can no no uh, destiny <laughs> or karma so i i, I believe Okay, beauty in your eyes. Difficult choice. Difficult choice. Yes, but yeah. I can see that we have some technical lag, but you uh, you can yeah, hear yeah, and some... you can hear me yeah, clearly. I can hear you. Okay, we hope it'll get fixed on its own. So, beauty yeah. in your eyes is Ashwarya Rai or Sushmita Sen. Ashwarya Rai. Wow. Ashwarya. Yeah. As a as a child, did you ever want to you know want or desire to be a pilot or an astronaut? I did, I did. Yeah, astronaut. Actually, I am named after one, right? Neil exactly. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I did want to. I did want to become Neil Armstrong at one point. Yeah. One word that you think describes you well, a word that is synonymous to your personality. Uh, I would say uh, cheerful, happy. outgoing yeah cheerful i i'm generally happy most of the times yeah so between I, hollywood or bollywood what movies do you like uh right now it is hollywood <laughs> but <generally, laughs> right now it is hollywood because somehow bollywood is not being spread no <laughs> your two of challenges there yeah and your 2 am snack my 2 am snack okay is generally ice cream acha that's great Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my last, it's available always. You don't have to make last... na. You don't have to work too hard for it. So yeah. Last question is: How common is common sense in your industry? I've been wanting to ask you this. Right, right. Yeah. So common sense in any industry or any place right now is very uncommon. Is what I am observing. So what is happening now? People are becoming too analytical nowadays. You know, they want to solve. things in such a manner it generally most of the problems are solved by common sense itself but yeah it is pretty uncommon nowadays and i i, I try to simplify things down you know generally <laughs> when i approach things i i always try to you know even if it's a technical issue i just try to think in a common sensical manner how this would have worked out you know and then you go to the technical part if generally problems are solved by common sense most of the time you know? at least 50% of the time at least 50% right <laughs> dr neel it's been a pleasure to be in conversation with you just time just flew by and i'm very sure that everybody enjoyed 
and this uh, interview is going to go places because everybody is going to watch it over and over again i'm going to push it across the globe and i sincerely hope that you your efforts will be rewarded in tangible intangible ways i look forward to a continued association with you thank you so much yes i would definitely like to remain associated because uh, you are touching on topics which are really really relevant and you are uh, letting people you know express themselves not on a official manner but you know you know semi official kind of a way so it it reaches out to a lot many people so fantastic and kudos to you yeah. for thinking about this and, thank you uh, i wish you all the best for it and i i really thank you again and i appreciate the efforts taken by your team and uh, i again thank the people who were interesting who were interested in this and were asking many questions so that's good enough they were engaged <laughs> So to all our audiences if you have more questions I know I missed out on a few I'm going to try and get those answers from Dr Neil and we'll make sure that my team posts it on the YouTube please do subscribe Dr Neil can you please yes. endorse my yeah. YouTube channel I would, I would actually I have already done that I have already done that but yes I I I request everyone to please subscribe <laughs> and you know uh, look at the conversations Dr D has had with other leaders also because there is a lot of insight there for you, for you and for each one of us so definitely you should subscribe to her and uh, looking forward to many more engaging conversations which i'll be able to see in the future have a wonderful weekend and enjoy your saturday evening here in india thank you so much once again thank you so much abisha happy weekend to you and all the viewers who are watching and uh, fantastic uh, time i had here and wish you all the best in the future as well thank you so much thank you so much bye dr neel Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed the show because I really had a delightful conversation with Dr. Neil. Clinical trials were actually unpacked for all of us. And I think we understand the process better and all the hard work that goes on behind the scenes. I will be continuously finding such authentic leaders from different industries that we can bring forth to you and you can engage with them learn from them and also be inspired to be more innovative in your own sphere of life stay in touch with me stay connected i'm there on all social media this is the d show and i'm dr divya jetli wishing you all lots of good health lots of good spirit and of course a happy weekend please take care bye bye good night